Panama Today is on the air, folks. Music and inspiration. We are glad you are with us. Got some good things to share with you today. And always the great news that God is good and he loves you. Wouldn't it be something uh, with uh, the news that God is big and powerful and he's great and all that, but he doesn't love you? (laughs) <laughs> that that would be horrible. Or if uh, God loves you, but he has absolutely no power to do anything in your life. But God is God. He is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's magnificent. He is ruling and reigning now and forevermore. He is the creator of all things. And he does love you. And he's full of mercy. And he calls you to himself. We have a good God, a loving God. Praise his name. Sometimes some people feel they have crossed the line. I mean, they have done the unpardonable thing. They've heard about the unpardonable sin from somebody, or even if they haven't, uh, they feel it in their spirit, you know, in their soul, or they say, oh, my, if there is a God, he could never forgive me for this. And so many times when you explain the love of God and share that with somebody, they say, oh, he could never love me. You don't know what I've done. And I should reply to responses like that well you don't know what god has done about what you have done and phillips craig and dean have a song about the mercy of god wondering if they've crossed the line and the words of this are so good that he accepts us i'd like you to go to psalm 106 psalm 106 i appreciate all those of you who are commuting right now you're traveling and you can't go to psalm 106 And so I will read some of that. I can't read it all here. It's a very long psalm. It's not the longest psalm, but it is 48 uh, verses. Let me uh, start with verse 1. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? He is good. His love endures forever. Not for a weekend, not just for your lifetime or for a vacation period, not just for a thousand years. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? I would challenge you, especially when you have a clear night, to take a walk and try to block out as many of the lights around you as you can and just look into the heavens or rise early in the morning, perhaps when it's still dark or the sun's starting to come up and you begin to get a sense of the magnitude and how majestic our God is. And you begin to think, God is really great. And I'm only seeing a little part of his creation here and a little part of his beauty. And this God loves me. And I can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord, but I'm not going to be able to do it all. And so he says, who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are they who maintain justice who constantly do what is right. Now, he shifted in to one of the moral values of God. We have a great, great God, and he's a moral God. In other words, there is a right and a wrong. Verse 4, Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. Now, the psalm shifts at that point In verse 6, he talks about the sinning, the way of error, 
that the nation went. We have sinned even as our fathers did. Now he's reflecting back to the time when the people of Israel were brought out of Egypt. And even though they saw the mighty works of God, once they had come through the Red Sea, that must have been some incredible experience. They got through the Red Sea and the sea closed behind them, preventing them from going back to their way of slavery and at the same time uh, dealing a death blow to the enemies they had, Pharaoh and all his troops. But now before them lay a big wilderness and they didn't know where to go. But God said, I will guide you and I will provide for you till you get to the promised land. And where you go, every foot that you set your foot on is going to be yours as well. So trust me, I'm taking care of you and onward we go. Now, the person who is writing this particular psalm is writing it roughly 500 years after that event, roughly about 1000 B.C. And the crossing of the Red Sea and Moses, that is roughly 1500 B.C. And so the writer of the Psalms is reflecting back how they disobeyed then and how they're still disobeying now. And that's the cause of the problems they're having with their enemies who are overpowering them, who's caused division among their tribes. And, and uh, they're looking to the fact of saying, you know, God, we've gotten away from you. And the way we've gotten away from you is we have called those things, the mighty things that you've done, we've given uh, account to idols that have done that. Now, that gave me a real new understanding of what idolatry was. Where we really first hear uh, a detailed description of idolatry is after Moses had brought them through the Red Sea, and then they're in the wilderness. He goes up on the mountains, and because he's gone 40 days and nights, the people got restless. They came to Aaron, and they said, um, we don't know where this guy Moses is, and uh, we want you to make us an idol. Now, they made the golden calf because this was one of the idol idols uh, where they uh, what they worshipped and the people of Egypt worshipped. And they said, we uh, believe that all the great events that have happened to us is because of this idol and, and not the God of the heavens who we can't see him and we can't hear him. And Moses just talks about him. And uh, so their idolatry was attributing the great works of God to something else or to someone else. See, that's the root of idolatry. And at this point, the psalmist is saying, we have sinned and we have gotten away from the God who really did deliver us, the great God of the universe. And we have sinned by turning to idols. Now, the idols, where, where did they get those? It tells us that over in, in verse 34, they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshipped their idols. So here, over the following 500 years from 1500 B.C. to 1000 B.C., uh, after the people who had come through the uh, Red Sea had died off and now they had gone with the leadership of Joshua into the Promised Land, these people were to destroy all the inhabitants of that land because they had turned so far from God that they burned children in the fires, uh, offering them to Id idols. And it, it was a horrible, horrible scene of depravity and perversion. And God said, I want you to wipe all this out because I want you to be true to me. I am a good God. I have led you. I have guided you. I am your provider. I am your creator. 
and your sustainer. But it says here, they did not destroy all the people. And just what, what happened was just what God warned them about. They were going to adopt the ways of the people that they mingled with. We see the analogy today. We tell people, when you come to Christ, you know, you've got to make a break with some of your friends. You've got to make a break with some of the lifestyle that you've been living, some of the parties you've been going to, some of the movies you've been going to, because the Holy Spirit is now living within you. And you don't want to mingle. It doesn't mean you will never have any non-Christian friends. But if you hang with them, as Psalm 1 tells about, and you adopt their ways and you, uh, you, know, you don't separate yourself from their ways and you listen to their counsel and their advice, you are no different than the ways of the world. Now you say, well, I've become a Christian. But nobody can tell it from your lifestyle. There hasn't been any dying to self and getting rid of the junk in your life. You have giving up the rights to say, I want this and I want that, but rather surrender of your will to the will of the Lord. You haven't done that. And it's, it's the same thing which happened to these people uh, so long ago. We look at this and we say, well, that's them. Things are different now. But that same principle is there. If we don't separate ourselves from the things that are dragging us down and we compromise, with that compromise is going to come a dryness in our walk with the Lord. It said... In uh, verse 35, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. You know what a snare is? If you're trying to catch something, you're trying to catch a bird or a rabbit or some little animal, you build a trap and you make that trap uh, disguising it so that it uh, by the bait you put on it or the camouflage you have around it, the animal will just come along or the bird will just fly along and just go right into that thing and they're snared. A person who is doing snaring uh, does not have the best interest of the animal involved here at this point, usually. Uh, we have scientists out here uh, who are uh, will snare a bird so that they can put a little... A metal clip on their leg and so they can monitor their flight and things like that. That's that's a different thing. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about the fowler who is snaring the bird or the hunter who is snaring the animal. The uh, purpose being that they want to eat it or sell it. And uh, the scripture is telling us here that when you mingle with idols here, they're going to become a snare to you. A snare will do you no good. It'll drag you down. And look what happened in verse 35. They're sac they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. Now, a person who has made a commitment to a spouse for life before God, if they are unfaithful and they prostitute themselves with another person, they have violated that trust which was given to them. They uh, had made a trust with another person before God and said, until death do us part. And then they have violated that trust. We call it adultery. And people in the Old Testament here had committed spiritual adultery. 
And the reason it's so bad in our spiritual relationships, as well as it is in our physical relationships, is that there was a commitment made which involves the uh, what we call the pact or the covenant that is made, which is until uh, for life. And when that God makes a covenant with us, his people, and when we violate that, we are committing spiritual adultery with him. We are spiritually uh, prostitutes, prostituting ourselves to other things rather than our commitment to God. And they call that prostitution, spiritual prostitution, idolatry. Now, I got thinking about this before I aired this. As I was out walking today, thinking about this, um, I thought, well, I can see the analogy or the reason back when uh, Aaron uh, had the people come and say, make for us an idol. And they made an idol, and it was fairly good size, and all the people started worshiping it, and so on. And then it actually turned into an orgy after that. You know, I mean, sexual promiscuity. I mean, everything was just going crazy, drunken orgies and all thing. Uh, as you know the story, Moses comes down off the mountain, hears all the noise, God's upset, he breaks the Ten Commandments, he goes down, they break up the idol, grind it up, throw the gold into the river, and off it goes. And I can see that that is idolatry because they actually built something and then they gave credit to that particular idol, that calf, and said, this is what has delivered us. And God... Uh, who is the one who did this? He who brought us out of uh, slavery, spiritual slavery, and, and brought Jesus here on the earth, sent Jesus, and he died for our sins. He's the one that did it. And so to, for us to commit idolatry is to say that whatever blessing we've received, oh, uh, this is because I'm a good worker. Oh, this is because of this thing. Or this is giving credit to some other source for the blessing other than God. Uh, Are you following me on this? And I got thinking about, well, we say that if a person, you know, um, has a car, they may be without a car and they pray, oh, God, give me a job so I can get a car and this and that. And then they get the car and their allegiance, their attention, their love begins to shift to the car rather than to the God who got them the car. We say, no, folks. At this time of the year, it's good to take spiritual inventory. Uh, what has become idols in your life? We need to get those out of there. And I thought, is this the same kind of idolatry as we're talking about in the Old Testament? The more I thought about that, I thought, yes, it is. Because a, a person or an object can become so important to us that whether we verbalize this or not, what has happened is we have shifted our attention from the source of the blessing to the blessing itself can be this, you know, people who don't have children and they pray and they pray and they pray and God gives them a child. And then when they get that child or the next child, they take those children and they're like idols to them. They won't offer them back to God and say, God, thank you for my son. Thank you for my daughter. Uh, work your purposes out in their life. Uh, uh, please do that. Uh, we realize this is a gift and we want to offer our child to you. Uh, use our child in any way for your kingdom's sake. And uh, all the time, Lord, we'll give you the thanks and you the praise. Well, when you do that, there's a wonderful relationship 
uh, that builds between you and your child and also that God has the freedom to work in your child and build a relationship uh, on an eternity. But if the person takes that child and say, boy, God's, if God ever takes his child from me, I had a mother say that to me once, if, if God ever takes his child from me, I'll never, never forgive him. Oh, boy, she got so bitter, and eventually she dropped out of church. Uh, that's been a number of years ago, but uh, what had happened was a blessing that she had from God had turned into an idol to her. So when we take the time to evaluate our lives and say, God, what has slipped in is an idol. I, I can remember back when I was in seminary and God brought the person into my life who is presently my wife. And uh, I was, you know, seeking to do what God wanted me to do and, and uh, sharing the Lord on weekends with Teen Challenge and going into the inner city of Philadelphia and, uh, as, and working on my studies and so on. And then God brought this woman into my life and uh, I began to say, I began to get so distracted with her that I began to not understand or hear the voice of the Lord clearly. And until I got that straightened around, I said, and I, I was afraid. I said, oh, God, if I give her back to you, maybe you won't give her back to me. Maybe she isn't the one. But you'll never know uh, the, the will of God until you so, totally surrender it over to the Lord. That includes a relationship or uh, knowing his will about a, a purchase you're going to make or direction, decision you're making in your life. And um, <clears throat> fortunately, this this um, psalm comes down to verse 45, and he says, but he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. So, I mean, these people came to the realization, hey, you know, the thing that we've uh, said is the answer really isn't the answer, and we're, we're not going to um, follow this anymore, and, and God, we realize our sin here. And he took note, he says, of their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant. That was the original agreement we made. And out of his great love, he relented. We understand now that through the covenant of Jesus Christ uh, as representative of uh, totally God and totally man being the God man here on earth, that is he, he is our representative in the covenant with God. And whenever we realize that we're off track, we've gotten away from God, it's because of Jesus being our representative dying in the cross for our sins that we can be forgiven. He caused them to be pitied by all who held them captive. Now, verse 47, save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. We want to see, we want to tell people and we want to tell God, Lord, we realize it's you. You alone created us. You alone sustain us. You alone are the source of all blessing and direction in our life. And we want to give you the thanks and give you the praise. Verse 48, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, for everyone in Radio Land who's heard this today, we just want to say, God, forgive us for turning to the idols in our life. Because we recognize, Father, right now, that's what they are. They're idols. And we've looked to them, Father, thinking that they, those things, or that person could be the answer for which only you can give to us. And we repent of our sin now. And Father, we say you, Lord, and you alone are the source of all blessings, of all 
sources of all provisions in our life, and you are the very source of our salvation. Thank you, God, that you are a good God and that you love us.